you have to be tremendously creative and you have to be flexible in your approach to communicating. Um, there are so many interesting stories to be told. You have to make sure that what you're trying to communicate will work for your audience and that you're approaching things in the right way. So I think it's really important to try and identify who you want to communicate to and why you want to do it. Hello, my name's John Higginson and I'm on a mission to revolutionise communications by focusing on the power of purpose. Each week I interview a leading light in the communications world, getting insight into what it means to be in communications, why it's so important and most importantly, why it's governed by purpose. This week I'm joined by Sophie Scott, Global Head of Media at World Leading International Development Organisation Voluntary Service Overseas. VSO draws on an extensive network of volunteers and partners to create change in some of the world's most challenging environments. Over the past five years, VSO has helped give almost 3.5 million children access to quality education, improved access to healthcare for more than 3.6 million, and helped support the livelihoods of three quarters of a million people. Prior to joining VSO, Sophie spent 10 years working with Médecins Sans Frontières, in which time she was nominated for a BAFTA for her work producing BBC Panorama's Ebola Frontline. Sophie's communications career spanned 16 years with purpose at the heart of much of her work. Sophie, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. It's great to be here, John. Great. Now, I think a great way to begin would be to talk a little bit about who you are, what drew you to international development and to communications. Um, I studied anthropology at university, but actually before that, um, um, it sounds a bit trite, but actually it, it really went back to sort of primary school. I'm of the Live Aid generation where, you know, we saw the images of very um, sick children, very sick um, adults um, on our screens at sort of quite a formative time when I was sort of around eight. And I think it was just a sort of sense of of the injustice of the world that we had so much in the UK and that um, people were not able to feed their families or that, you know, people were very sick as children. Um, I also um, was also went to, to Sunday school as a child and we used to talk, they used to teach us quite a lot about things like dropping the debt and about sort of economic injustice. And I think it it probably, the seeds were sown from quite a small, quite a young age that this was something that I cared about and was interested in. So um, I started a media career in my 20s, which um, was enjoyable, it was fulfilling, it was interesting. But there were there was always a part of me which felt that um, I wanted to communicate for a mission and for a purpose. And so um, when I found um, a job at Médecins Sans Frontières, which used my skills and used my, my background in broadcasts, I leapt on it and um, had 10 very happy years there communicating about some of the world's worst humanitarian disasters. 
Humanitarian communications is an incredible sector. Um, it's hugely stimulating, hugely enjoyable, um, but it's also very, very unpredictable. And so, you know, I would get calls from um, BBC producers at two o'clock in the morning, you know, trying to set up shoots after the Haiti earthquakes. Latterly, I felt that I wanted to change into the development sphere because of the longer term impact of development work and that um, quite often with humanitarian aid work, you feel that it's a little bit of a sticking plaster on a wider problem. And with development, I felt that I could really make a longer term impact and um, longer term change. And so I felt that this was something that I, I really wanted to use my skills and my broadcast and print experience with. Great. So tell us about the real difference at moving over to VSO. Tell us a bit about what your job is at, at VSO now. So my role is leading a global media team. And I think that in the past, often media teams have been very much based just in Western countries. But at VSO, we're really conscious that we want to decolonise um, our approach to aid. So um, my team is based in Pretoria, in South Africa, in Kenya and in um Bangkok, as well as in the UK, which has its own challenges about sort of trying to run a team where you don't see each other, you know, really from one end of the year to the next other than working online. But what we're able to do with that is that I think that we reach out a lot more to media internationally. And I think that we have um, a an interesting approach where we're really working closely with the teams on the ground and it's not just about trying to tell people in the UK about what we're doing but also communicating with people who are in um, developing countries about our mission and about um, about how we try to impact change. What do you think some of the biggest challenges and opportunities will be for organisations like VSO over the next few years? My big observation is that if you're working in humanitarian aid, you're quite often part of the news agenda. So, for instance, you know, when people are talking about the the war in Ukraine, often you will be on the ground, you'll have people on the ground working there. And that is relatively easy to get coverage for. Um, the difficulty with an organisation like VSO is that we don't work in many conflict zones. So often we aren't part of the news agenda and what's quite challenging for us is the sort of why now element of journalism that it's it's not got the sort of um it's not necessarily in people's um minds and i think that that does make it more difficult i mean foreign news is definitely more difficult to engage with these days partly because i think that possibly we've become a little bit more parochial but also because people there's so much going on in the world, it's very difficult to um, convince people that they should travel to somewhere like Tanzania, which is relatively stable and where there isn't a huge amount of news going on there. But also, you know, foreign budgets have been cut. Um, so there's less um, there's less money for these types of things. And, you know, also there is a lot going on at home. So possibly there's less sympathy towards um, or less people have less compassion possibly towards the developing world than perhaps they did, you know, 
20 years ago when people were talking about drop the debt and the the year 2000 celebration. So I think it it has become trickier, but I do think it's tremendously rewarding and there are interesting elements to cover of this. And in some ways, actually, the pandemic has made things easier in the sense that people have started living more online. So it's it's easier for people to understand that they can still report on these on these issues, even if they can't physically travel there. Um, Where do you get your news from yourself and what forms of media do you read, scroll through, watch or listen to? So like many in the developing in the development sector, I tend to sort of lean towards certain publications. So I've made a conscious decision to expand my my reading um my go-to news in the morning is the times but i also read pretty much every broadsheet i probably am a little bit i probably don't read as much of the tabloids as i should do um in terms of listening i listen to lots of radio four try to listen to radio five i quite enjoy the times radio actually i find that the pace is quite they get good guests. It's quite interesting, but also it's it, it's quite nice to have a sort of change from the BBC. And I try to also listen to quite a lot of podcasts, which we don't necessarily get on UK broadcast channels. So I really like some of the New York Times podcasts, um, Ezra Klein's particular favourite of mine. And it's I think it's interesting to try and get away from the UK news. And I also try to be on top of some of the main broadcasters and uh, print outlets in the countries where we work so that I've got that overview. So I'm constantly trying to sort of look at what people consume in the UK, but also think a little bit further um, further out of the box so that, you know, I've got an idea about what, um, you know, they're reporting on in South Africa or in um, East Asia and places like that. Do you, do you use social media at all as well as a as a as a news tool? Um, yeah, I use social media. I mean, I I, um, I use obviously Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, but we've also been doing much more on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is actually our biggest social network for VSO, and I find it a really useful source of information, also about um, what's happening in the industry and you know different people's perspectives. So I increasingly use LinkedIn as a, as a source of news. Any advice for young professionals wanting to make a change into the charitable sector or international development sector? Going into the charitable um, sector or the international development sector, it's it's hugely rewarding, but it is quite competitive. Um, I was quite glad that I went in when I'd had a few years of post qualification experience. So I had about five years of broadcast experience. And so I felt that I had a much better understanding of what the media actually wanted. Whereas I think that some of the um, people who maybe started right from the beginning in the international development sector hadn't really worked within the media and didn't maybe understand quite how important it was to get behind the thinking of what a journalist wants, why they want it, what's going to work. And I've always found that people who've worked in the media have a better sense of that. Um, 
The other thing is that I think that um, if you want to get into international development, there are huge amounts of field positions which are tremendously rewarding. And it's a great thing to do at the start of your career. You will never regret this. You will gain a huge amount of experience by being on the ground. Great. And if you could share one message with our audience now, what would it be? The one message I would share is that you have to be tremendously creative and you have to be flexible in your approach to communicating. Um, There are so many interesting stories to be told. You have to make sure that what you're trying to communicate will work for your audience and that you're approaching things in the right way. So I think it's really important to try and identify who you want to communicate to and why you want to do it. Sophie Scott, Global Head of Media at VSO, thank you for joining me, John Higginson, on Communicating Purpose.